The reading today is Psalm 136. It's a psalm of thanks. And we're going to read it together. I will start off, and after each phrase, you reply, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan and gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our low estate and freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature Give thanks to the God of heaven. The second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse 31 on page 805 on your Bibles. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. 
Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jane. It'll be good to have your Bibles open at Psalm 136. We got a lesson in repetition, didn't we? You almost go, oh man, you almost get sick of saying it, but then you feel guilty for feeling sick of saying Well, let's pray. Let's ask for God's help as we come to his word. Father, we thank you. You're a God who speaks. You haven't left us in the dark, and so we pray this morning, we would listen, that we would hear your voice, that you would speak and change us, that you would help us to see how great you are and why your steadfast love endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what is the best gift you've ever been given? What comes to mind when you kind of think, wow, that was a really, really good Gift. I've had a few in primary school. Uh, I got the best thing you could ever get, a Commodore 64 computer. Anyone ever heard of a Commodore 64 computer? You had to put a tape into a slot, like a cassette tape. Kids, ask your parents what that means. A cassette tape and press play to load the game. And then we graduated to a cartridge and once it loaded, endless fun with Donkey Kong. That was a very good gift. In high school, I got a Pearl Export drum kit. I'd been using, a, Blake knows what I'm talking about. I'd been using this rubbish kit, and then all of a sudden, a, Pearl Ex, a brand new Pearl Export drum kit. That was a very good gift. But recently, I've received an excellent gift. Very good. The Bug Assault. Oh, I don't think this is working. There it is. The Bug Assault. Does anyone know what a Bug Assault is? That shoots flies with salt. It's very good. And if you aim it at a daddy long legs, that daddy long legs just explodes. Anyway. I obviously wouldn't do that. I heard that on a... Some bug assault forum told me about that. That is a very good gift. When you receive a very good gift, two things happen. One is gratitude. You feel something. You feel thankful. But that's not enough, is it? You actually have to give thanks. Here's what Tim Keller says about thankfulness. It's one thing to be grateful. It's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. You see the difference? When you receive a gift, a new computer, a Bug Salt 2000, you feel something. I felt thankful. I felt, oh, this is great. But then that's not enough. I had to actually thank my wife who got me the bug assault, which was an excellent gift, by the way. And that's what we get in Psalm 136. We are seeing a psalm that is bursting with thankfulness to God. Not only that, it commands us. Did you see? Have another look at verse 1. Give thanks... To the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And there we see this, 
the theme of the song. These are songs, right, that Old Testament Israel sang. So we're looking at lyrics. Straight away we get the theme. Give thanks to the covenant God, that's Yahweh, the Lord. Why? Because he is good and his love goes on for all time. That phrase, give thanks, doesn't quite grasp the meaning of it. It means to confess, to acknowledge the good gift giver. When you, when you give thanks, if you really mean it, you're saying, you, the gift giver, have been good to me, the recipient of the gift. And that's what we get here. We see that this is a thankful psalm because of the character of God revealed in the works of God. Who he is revealed in what he does. And we got this back and forth, obviously, his love endures forever, which probably was sung back and forth uh, in Old Testament Israel. And that word there, love, you probably already know, is hesed. That's covenant, steadfast love. It's like that binding, superglue love based on promises that are given. Israel's God is the only true God and his character is of steadfast love now the other thing before we get into it is uh did you notice the give thanks to actually drops off but is implied so throughout the whole psalm it starts with give thanks to him give thanks to him and then it just says to him who just means the whole thing is about giving thanks because he loves you now if i say i love you to my wife kinney she only really knows it by what i do if I said I love you to her and kicked her shins for an hour, you'd know I didn't really love her, right? I love kicking shins. But if I said I love you and I got up in the middle of the night to deal with a screaming child, my kids are a bit older now so they don't do that much, <laughs> or I gave her a thoughtful gift or I put the dirty washing in the clothes basket, which is a big one, I know that, mental note, she would know I love her by what I do. Three things we see in the psalm about what God does for his people. In creation, rescue, and inheritance. So let's have a quick look at each of those. First one, creation. Give thanks to him who made everything. Have a look from verse 4. It says, give thanks to him who alone does great wonders, who by his understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and the stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. For Israel, history began with the creation of the world and their God did it. He alone does great wonders. There's no other God who made absolutely everything. He's the one who thought the whole thing up. By his understanding, he made the heavens and spread out the earth like a husband spreading out a picnic rug for his wife. Not only in space, did you see, but also time, symbolised here by the two great markers, the sun and the moon. He doesn't really only have the ability to rule over them, but he makes them happen. The psalmist looks over God's great creation and sees God's steadfast love. And the only right response? Give thanks. Three weeks before my daughter Kate was born, friends of ours had a, a baby boy and me and Kenny went to visit uh, them in hospital. 
And they were just so thankful. There was, the whole place was packed with uh, their friends and family. They were just... Bur- he, he, the, the husband said, we're so thankful. Who were they thankful to? Was it the God who had just given them this baby boy? Was it the God who made the air that this baby boy just sucked into his lungs? Here's the question for us as, as we look at this psalm. When did you last stop and give thanks to God, the God who made you, who gave you everything you enjoy, the sunny day, the cool breeze, the amazing trees outside, the person sitting next to you, your friends, the energy you have to walk out of this building, the air you breathe is given by a good gift giver. It's an act of love on his part to give us these things. And so we should stop and say thanks to our Creator. What would you think if my teenage children, I think I've used this before, but what if they came home and I was standing at the door to welcome them and they went straight past me to the fridge? From my house, it's my house, I have put everything in the fridge, but they don't acknowledge me, they don't say thank you, they don't say hi, Dad straight to the fridge to eat the food that I prepared for them. They completely ignore me. Have a look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. Of all creation, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what is made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks. You can know about God, you can have a sense that God is real, actually everyone does, because you see the fingerprints of God in his creation. Oh, that sunset's so amazing. But that's not enough. We must give him thanks. What is that doing? Acknowledging. You're God. You made it, not me. I'm enjoying it. Thank you. Creation. Give thanks to him who made everything. The second one, did you see it? Is rescue. Give thanks to him who rescues people. Have a look from verse 10 there. Give thanks to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, who brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, to him who divided the Red Sea and brought Israel through the midst of it, swept Pharaoh and his armies into the sea, His love endures forever. God's people were slaves in Egypt. You know the story. God had promised way back in Genesis 12 three big things. They would be a great nation. There'd be lots of them. They would be his special people and they would have a land. And here they are. So the three things, descendants, special relationship and land. But here they are in slavery in Egypt. There's lots of them, so that's one. Are they feeling blessed? No, they're slaves. Are they in a land? No. What does God do? Does he keep his covenant promises? Yes, he does. He brings them out of Egypt, out of slavery, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He splits the sea in two and saves his people from slavery. That's the big salvation moment in the Old Testament. A shadow of a reality that is to come. What are Israel to do, having been saved? 
They are to be his special people, to acknowledge that Yahweh is their God, to say thank you to him and to live a special life. He has radically saved them. How would you respond? You're standing there on the edge of the sea. It has just swallowed up your enemies and you have been rescued from slavery. Very vivid picture. A few years ago, a plane crashed after taking off uh, in Washington, D.C. In a, in a river nearby. And it, was quite, it was next to a bridge and so camera crews were all kind of there watching this unfold. And a helicopter came down with a, a um, life belt uh, and lowered it down to get some of the people who had come out of the crash and were in the river. And one guy who was in the, one of the passengers grabbed the life belt and swam to another one, hooked them up, and up they went, rescued. It happened again. You can see it on, on YouTube or somewhere, I think. Again, it came down. He grabbed it, swam to another passenger, and hooked them up. And he kept doing this, and eventually, unfortunately, he drowned. Now imagine you're watching that on TV and you're thinking to yourself, what are you doing, mate? Why wouldn't you clip it on and off you go? What's he doing? He doesn't save himself because he's out to save others. God is the great rescuer and he's out to save you. How do you respond to him who gives sight to the blind, who makes the lame walk, who cleans lepers, who makes the deaf hear, who says, not my will, but yours, and hangs on a cross for your sin. That Old Testament rescue was a shadow of a grand reality in Jesus Christ. How do you respond to who, him who's rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into his kingdom, given you redemption, the forgiveness of your sins? How do you respond to Jesus Christ, your rescuer? Because we're not just spectators watching a rescue unfold, are we? We're in the river. Jesus dies to rescue you. His steadfast love is for you. At the cross, his steadfast love endures forever. So the question firstly to ask of our own hearts is, have you accepted the rescue? Has, Jesus has swum out to you and said, here's the life belt, grab it. Have you grabbed it? Has he rescued you from sin and death? If he has, then the next question is, how often do you say thanks for that grand rescue? How often do you wake up each day and go, ah, oh, it's just another day. It's like in the air that someone gives me. Or do you say thank you? Acknowledging he is the good gift giver. Not just creation but rescue of your soul. Creation, rescue, lastly, inheritance. Give thanks to him 
who gives us an inheritance. Did you see that as at the end there in verse 16 of the psalm? Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness, who struck down king, great kings and killed mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his servant Israel. That's God's people, Israel. His love endures forever. God rescues Israel. He leads them through into the promised land. He fulfills his promises, the three big things. They'll be a special people. They'll have a descendants and they have land and they're in the land but there's a problem it was already full there was kings in there and the classic kings the first ones who are conquered are Sion and Og completely rebellious against God the land is given to God's people what is he doing in that moment he's not just giving them some land to live in is he He's fulfilling his promises for an inheritance. don't know if you've heard of a lady called Thelma Howard. Uh, for years, she was the devoted maid of Walt Disney. And uh, every year, Walt Disney would walk, uh, call her into his study and say, Thelma, I've got a Christmas bonus for you, and give her a piece of paper. Now, you thought it might have been like a couple hundred bucks or something, but instead it was shares in Disney Corporation. And when Thelma died in 1981, they discovered all the shares shoved into the bottom of a drawer. She had never known what she had, over $15 million worth of shares in Disney Corp. She had great riches. She was sitting on it and didn't know what she had. It had made no difference to her life. If you're a Christian, God has given you great riches. Depends though, doesn't it? Whether you acknowledge what you have. Are you going to do a Thelma Howard and just sit on it? Just There's something good under there, but I'm not sure what it is. Ah, it doesn't matter. You have been given an inheritance. The good news is this inheritance, that was just a shadow of a reality. As you move into the New Testament, it narrows down to true Israel, to Jesus Christ himself as the heir and the one who gets the inheritance. And he inherits a possession given to him because of his relationship as the Son of God. But he doesn't just keep it to himself, does he? He shares it to all his adopted children. Have a look here at 1 Peter 3. In his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into what? An inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. What is my inheritance? Well, Jesus says it here. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on the throne in the heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he'll separate the people one from the other like a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. Put the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your what? Inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. You with Jesus forever in paradise. What does that look like? Well, here it is. From Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a loud voice calling from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order has passed away. He was seated on the throne, said, I'm making everything new. That is your inheritance. You will be with the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He will dwell with you in a new creation, new heavens, new earth. You perfect in Christ Jesus. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The old order has passed away. Everything is new. Now, you're going to shove that in a drawer? You're going to do a Thelma Howard? Will that impact you? As you leave here today, as I leave here today, what do we do? Thelma Howard, never giving thanks, never enjoying the thankful life. Here's what Spurgeon said about the thankful life. I think it's better than thanksgiving is thanks living. How is this to be done? By a general cheerfulness of manner, by an obedience to the commandment of him by whose mercy we live, by a perpetual constant delighting of ourselves in the Lord, by a submission of ourselves to his will. Not just thanksgiving, thanks living. That's what we're to do. If all that is true, we cannot leave here unchanged. We must live a life of thanks living. The psalm finishes up. Let's just finish up because it does something really cool. It moves from the them to the us. Have a look there. Verse 23. To the one who remembered us in our lower state, freed us from our enemies, who gives food to every creature, give thanks to the God of heaven. This is for us remember the heartbeat of the psalm his love endures forever why won't it end because god in christ jesus is for you he has given you things and he doesn't take them back he's created you he's rescued you he's given you an inheritance in christ jesus his steadfast love will never leave you so as we go Let's go thanks living, not just thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you not only you created us and you give us absolutely everything we enjoy right now, but you've rescued us from sin and death. And we thank you that in Jesus Christ we have a grand inheritance. Help us not to be Thelma Howards as we leave here, having such riches just in a drawer that doesn't make any difference to our lives. Help us to see how amazing the gifts you've given us are, giving you thanks and praise and glory and living lives of thanks living. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.